powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hey there, Duvall Nation. Hey, thanks, man. Thank you, everyone. I do love my virtual audience. Thanks for tuning in to another fantastic episode of The Derek Duval Show. I am Derek, and yes, this is another foray into learning about extraordinary, incredible people. We have got an amazing episode lined up. I cannot wait for you to hear it. Before we get into it, I want to say thank you to everyone who took the time to tune into Mrs. Duval and I's newest project. It was incredibly well received. The feedback was amazing, and I definitely helped that the first episode would be a show about the Batman. Anyways, if you have not had the chance to check out the show, you can find it at DerekDuvallShow.com or wherever you get your shows. We will have another fun episode for you very soon this week. Wales played France this week, and we came up just a bit short. This has not been a very good tournament for us, but while it is a bitter pill to swallow, I get to enjoy watching the one sport I am most passionate about on a 120-inch screen in 4K. Believe me, I am truly lucky to be able to do that even if I can't actually be at Principality Stadium. So let's get into episode 47. We are continuing our tribute to amazing and powerful women during Women's History Month. On this episode, representing the category of business, we have CEO and PhD, Dr. Anne Kaplan. She will be discussing her incredibly successful company, iFinance Canada, her amazing philanthropy work with the AIDS community, her starring role in The Real Housewives of Toronto, and so much more. If you want to talk about an amazing human being who has conquered the business world, this woman would be that person. So let's get right on into it. Duval Nation, rise to your feet and welcome a truly amazing guest, Dr. Ann Kaplan. Dr. Kaplan, welcome to the show. How is the weather in your area today? The weather is, well, I'm looking out the window right now, and it's sunny. So ask me for the next 364 days, and I'll have the, the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> I like to start my interviews with the same question, and that is, how has it been for you to navigate the crazy COVID-19 world we're living in right now? I went through a period of time during COVID where initially I was scared, very, very scared. And then I went to a period of time of tears because it shocked me. At the same time, I'm trying to keep my family, my children, at least engaged, not getting too down. Once we knew COVID was actually a pandemic and we were all going to have our lives changed, I was concerned about my family. And so it's been tough, but you keep a smile on your face and you certainly come out of it feeling absolutely blessed and just really grateful to be alive and I found a lot of humor in the moments during it, too, because what was important is that we we survived all this. And so I I think I got funnier during COVID. (laughs) So let's take it all the way back to the beginning. Uh, Where were you born at? I was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and moved um, almost immediately to New Zealand. And I didn't grow up in New Zealand. We moved back to Canada, 
and I grew up um, really a West Coast girl in mm-hmm. British Columbia for the most part until I was uh, till I hit college. I made it up there once when I was in the Navy, uh, Victoria, I believe I was at. A uh, very nice area. And that's where I grew up was in Victoria, British nice. Columbia. So a really small town mm-hmm. place. And um, my family is Hawaiian, so we were in Hawaii a lot. And mm-hmm. so I would go back and forth between the two places. But I really grew up in Victoria. Mm. Now, based on what I've read about you, you seem to have always been a hard charger from a young age. And that's very admirable. At what age did you decide to pursue your current career? So it's it's interesting you say that because my mom said that um, I was born and kind of popped out of the womb, womb and started running <laughs> and never stopped. And later in her life, she just said to me, you drive me nuts. <laughs> just sit down, slow down. You drive me nuts. And that's all she ever said to me was I drove her nuts. But I don't think she, as mothers would be, would have it any other way. Um, when I started my career, I was in the current career in finance. It was coming out of a very long period of time where I was really helping families. And I was looking at the healthcare system in Canada and thought, um, how are people going? If we go to a two-tiered health system, similar to what you have in the U.S., mm-hmm. how are people going to pay for their medical bills? And I started a finance company over 25 years ago to finance medical procedures. And then moved into not even knowing anything about finance. And, um, but I knew about business. And then I moved into uh, dental procedures, veterinary procedures, home improvement, technology, and then fintech. And so I started that 26 years ago. That's, that's And really incredible. to solve a problem, just, just to solve a problem, not even realizing how big this market was and is. Do you have any favorite memories from your time at the University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management? I probably thought I was one of the smartest people in the class until I realized that I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember, I remember again doing a finance test. And so I remember I've always worked in finance. So this is back when I was doing my MBA, and I was doing a, a finance test exam. I thought, oh, this is easy. I, I can, I'm going to ace this. And so I wrote the exam. Of course, this is academia. Academia is a little different than the real world of finance. And I didn't do very well. So it was a wake-up call that, you know, you're really as as smart as the knowledge that you choose to gather, Mm -hmm. not as you think your brain is. And so that was quite a awakening moment for me. And um, I don't think I've ever forgotten that. It was a good lesson learned that uh, you have to do the work. So that was that was interesting. Really tough school. Very, very tough. Were there any other notable um, colleagues there that have gone on to do uh, great things as well? It was a pretty small class. So I think about 32 or 33. And there were colleagues in the class that um, you know, went, went on to head up companies like Cara, which is the supplier of the food um, for airplanes. Mm. And... You know, larger larger corporations, the head of um, real estate tra- um, trans- transfer when you move somewhere else, so replacement or placement when you move somewhere as an executive. Mm-hmm. So they, and this is worldwide. So they, there's people in the class that did some pretty remarkable things. And um, 
it was a great class. So I made friends and still stay friends with, with literally everyone in that class. Awesome. And I have the girls that were in that class, the females on speed dial. Oh, nice. <laughs> but that's handy when you need them. Yeah. So now you currently have a doctorate in business administration, which is incredible. How did you feel when you finally had attained such a sought after uh, degree? Well, when I was doing my doctorate, I'd already did my master's of science, my corporate governance degree, my MBA, et cetera. The doctorate was really hard and there were, I had many setbacks. Of course, I had six kids by then and I had, um, I dealt with, with, you know, death in the family during the doctorate. When I finally walked the convocation, I literally, yeah, you're going to make me cry. I literally Aww. cried walking that convocation. And by then I had developed a little bit of a sense of humor and a love of fashion. So I did wear a conservative outfit under my gowns, but I, I wove in battery operated lights. So, and I wore these really cool checkered Dolce Gabbana shoes that were checkered heels. So when I walked up the steps for my convocation and the photographs, you can see the, the, the people in robes turning their heads, looking at the shoes. <laughs> and then when I got up to the top to receive my certificate, I had a little remote control in the audience that turned all the lights on and my gown. I figured they can't take my doctorate away from me for lighting my gown up. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd earned it and I earned the right to be myself on that stage. And it was, and I cried and it was a hard earned degree to get. Mm -hmm. And it was an area that I'm passionate about in finance, Mm -hmm. but it was also um, a long, hard path because it's so much personally, which it happens to everybody, but it was my own personal journey. It was no one else I had to really be accountable to. It was just me. And it was one of the most incredible achievements for me personally, just me personally, that I've ever had. I can only imagine. Um, we've had other people on here who are, you know, intellectuals, scientists and so forth, and they all have the exact same thing in common as you. They said getting that that last level of education, that doctor that says one of the most challenging, if not the most challenging thing they've ever accomplished. Yeah. Did they light their gowns up too? I don't believe they did. So you are a trailblazer See? in that department. No question about that. Do you have a, yeah, it's yeah. Funny you said, do you have a picture of it by any chance? I do. Do, do you, you post it on your social media for people to see? Um, I did post the convocation on my social media. I don't know if I posted that moment when she was looking at my shoes. I happened to, somebody took a picture of me when that moment happened going up the stairs. I don't think I posted that, but I do have it. Now, like I said before, you are a trailblazer. And I talked to a friend of mine about a week ago when I found you were coming on the show and she read a bio about you and a little bit online. And she said, quote, you are a shatterer of the glass ceiling. So you currently sit as CEO, Chief Executive Officer of iFinance Canada. Uh, You mentioned a little bit earlier about what the the company is. Could you go a little more into depth? The um, company is a, is a fintech company, so we're finance technology where we do loans, small consumer loans, average about $5,500, but down to $500, and we do those loans pre-approved or we do a loan at point of sale. So if you were going to go online and purchase something, we could be one of the options that you, are, you have to make that purchase and make equal monthly payments. And we have loan applications in excess of $2 billion. 
Wow. How hard was the startup and what kind of obstacles have you had to overcome to get the company to where it is today? I think naivety is a great tool to get a company started because I started the company in 1996 was when we first started. And I didn't realize what it would take to raise the capital to fund all these loans. I was just trying to figure out how to fund loans because maybe I might want to get a $10,000 loan in the future. I wasn't thinking of the number of people that would want those kind of loans. And so the hurdle was always trying to put the business model and the financing at the same time, business finance, and then building the staff and, and expanding across the country. All of those were hurdles and managing a family at the same time. It was interesting having children and giving birth at the same time, not at the same moment, but giving birth and raising kids without coming across as, and I don't like to use this word, but incapable because I had just given birth. Mm-hmm. And so the mindset of people would be, how can she run a company when she's just had a baby? So I really learned to separate the two. And when I was working, it was about work. And when I was home with my kids, I didn't talk about business. So I focused on the moment and didn't let the two overlap for fear of being perceived at that time and in that era of not being capable because I was a mother. We are getting better at that now, and women are getting better at being ourselves, being nurturing mothers without feeling that we were deemed as weak. I've had someone else on the show who actually was talking about this a little bit. Other countries of the world, more just as developed nations as like the United States, Canada, have better maternity leave. Uh, you know, they have you know x number of year a months in the year instead of just a short time in the United States. How do you feel that the government can get to that next level? Well, it takes a little bit of government and of employer for maternity leave. It's providing overall support. I think one of the smartest things that they can do in facilities is to provide support to help with the kids too. It enables people to work. And also COVID has done this, where they provide an opportunity for people to work out of their homes as well. So Mm -hmm. I think the government could look at things differently now and say, we are going to provide this support for you in a different manner. And it might be that you can work from your home. It might be support with care facilities for kids. And it shouldn't always be just to look at financial support to cover a portion of your maternity leave or your time off. That being said, how do you stay grounded with a healthy work-life balance? I don't have a really big personal life. My children and my husband are my personal life. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to multitask when I'm making dinner. I've got my headphones on, I'm talking to my friends and they're doing the same thing. And I find like-minded people that are just as busy as me. And it is, I did and do have nannies that helped with the kids until the last one moved out two months ago. (laughs) And, but they didn't, they would just make sure that somebody was home at 3.30 when they get home from school and I would be home at 5.30 or 6. And so it was just, to fill in what I, the time I couldn't because of working and then also cooking dinner, I wanted to cook. So I wanted my kids to remember me cooking and I just had to prioritize and get up early, really early so I could get my me time in and be ready for the kids and drive them to school and then go to work. That's awesome. I, lo- I love to hear that. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Okay, Duval Nation, we're to go ahead and take a small break that gives you a chance to stretch, refresh that drink, and so forth. 
Be patient as we highlight two friends of the show, and then we'll be right back. Welcome to Wine Chats with Bildo and Lindalyn. My name is Billy Milovanovic, aka Bildo. My name is Lindsay Kirkwood, also known as Lindalyn. And this is our offensively funny podcast about drinking wine and chatting life. Some of our previous topics include conspiracy theories. I know somebody that thinks the world's flat. What? Like a real person? Yes. Body ailments. I'm going to go from toes up because I have a lot. <laughs> no, seriously, you laugh, but I have so many this body ailments. what happens with age, guys. And I know. And orgasms. I'm a little bit frustrated and it just hasn't been happening. I, I'm trying. Henry's trying. We're all trying. But when orgasming is good, it's good. Basically, we talk about all the things that you would generally talk about over wine with your girlfriends. New episodes out each Monday. Chat, Chat soon. Way to go! Follow me! Nice bike! Thanks, wanna ride? Sure, got a helmet? A helmet? What are you, some kind of wimp? No, I just... <laughs> Jonathan's just using common sense. Beachhead! Cross country! That was a close call, you alright? Yeah, thanks. These ATVs have as much power as a real motorcycle. You gotta respect them. And wear helmets for protection. Now we know! And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Hello there, Gigawater gang. I'm Kina, the host of the boozy and delightfully foul-mouthed comedy podcast, Historical AF. I'm a nerdy public historian that is joined by a special guest each week to deliver funny, weird, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. Past topics have included the magical manhood of Russia's mad monk Rasputin, my hot take that aliens did not build the pyramids, Serial killers that both my parents happened to meet as children. Listen, I know what you're thinking. Kina, how do you even exist right now? Also, who was it? All right, I'll tell you. Spoiler alert, it was John Wayne Gacy and Mark Allen Smith. Anywho, we can't forget the spooky. I've covered topics ranging from the ghost of Anne Boleyn to the night marchers in Hawaii. Don't look at them, guys. If you do, you have to strip naked and you have to lay on the dirt. Dim's the rules. You can listen and subscribe to Historical AF wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Historical AF Pod. And finally, you can check out the website for links to listen, sources, because citing is sexy, photos, and more at historicalafpodcast.com. Okay, bye! Welcome back to the Derek Duvall Show. I truly hope you got a nice big stretch in. Remember, after the show is over, stick your head outside for 10 minutes and breathe in some decent air. No need to be cooped up inside unless you absolutely have to. Okay, that being said, let's get back to the conclusion of our interview with CEO and just an incredible woman, Dr. Ann Kaplan. So I got to ask, how did The Real Housewives of Toronto come your way? So I was slated. I'd already hosted three television shows. They were makeover shows. And I was slated to host another one. And that had been greenlit. And the producer of the show came to me and said, Ann, We'll put this on the back burner, but there's a show I think you should do. And he said, it will elevate your profile. And I said, what is it? He goes, just trust me, go to the interview. And that interview was that day. And so I dropped everything I was doing because I do trust him. And I went down to the interview, not knowing what show it was and never having seen The Housewives. And I had to watch it before they put me on air, though. And I had to sign a disclaimer that I'd seen it but I had never seen it. So when, and I, I brought my kids up without television. So they hadn't actually, we don't, I don't watch television mm-hmm. except possibly the news and you can YouTube or, or it's not YouTube. You can Google that. So 
I went in and sat down and um, went for this interview. And uh, they said, do you, what do you think? Do you think you'd be good for the show? And I said, well, I'm not sure what your show is. But if you want someone who's really smart and really funny, then I'm good for it. And I said, but whatever that show is. But if you want someone that's going to swear and throw people around, that's just not me. And they called me almost immediately and said, um, you're in the show. Wow. It was really fast. Um, they had to wait like another two months after that before they started filming. But my time on the show was really fun. I didn't know the women that were on the show before. I'd met one once, but I, I had a lot of fun. And I felt like if you'd like who you are, it's okay to be in a reality show because I certainly didn't want to watch it and think, oh, was I really that mean? Or is that I that awful to somebody? So if you like who you are, it's actually easy to be on a show. And I found it interesting to see how much the other women would say, I don't want that in there. And they they do something and then say, don't put that in there. And mm. thinking that they have the right to do that and being embarrassed by their own actions. But if, I mean, if you don't mind what you say or how you act, then go ahead and be like that. I watched Lady Gaga last night, which I'm a really big fan of her personality. Since I watched her live last night. And she said, who brought these kids to the show? She said, don't you know this isn't parental guidance? Who would bring their children to my show? And <laughs> I thought, exactly. Like, exactly. Don't turn, the, turn it on. Don't tune in. Don't participate if you don't want to be a part of it. But don't participate and then complain. So I thought that was a really good line. She did use the F word in there, but I'll leave that out <laughs> in case kids are listening to your show. No. You know, it's funny you say that. My wife is a massive Lady Gaga fan as well, and she's also a huge fan of Adele. And uh, I remember... Oh, we, yes, we, Adele. Yeah. We went and saw Adele yes, Adele. in um, 2016. We went uh, down to Dallas, and she was performing. And we were very, very fortunate. We got great seats. Uh, it was also fun fact. Also, the night the, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series, pure coincidence. Wow! But um, I remember we were there, and there was you know young kids in the audience and what have you. And and being British, I know how you know most people in Britain like to you know talk. And I remember it was you know if you know anything about Dello, she's this you know voice of a god. But the you know the Cockney accent just cracks you up. I remember it was f this f that, and I just was laughing my whole time. And I remember there was people in the audience that were mortified and i'm like have you never watched adele prior to this it's kind of you know it just kind of cracked me up a little bit yeah you you should know the animal that you're you're going to see especially in a concert i i had the same thing when i watched robin williams do ah, a yes. comedy comedy act and i took my kids mm -hmm. I, I mean i don't think every now and then he'd use words like the and for or something and all the mm -hmm. rest were swear swear yeah. words and it was the dirty stories, and it was just one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But <laughs> I didn't know that, and I did take my kids. Do you keep in contact with your other castmates? I keep in contact with every one of them individually, except for one of them. And that one of them went online after the show had aired. And my husband's a plastic surgeon, and she and and on the show she had. Um, that's the word for it. She had had a, uh, do you know what a microdermabrasion machine is? No, but I'm pretty sure I could Google it and find out. Yeah. Microdermabrasion is almost like a glorified facial. It sort of sucks the, um, 
it goes over your face and it takes off the the dirt and grime mm. from your your skin. It's not invasive or anything like that. Okay. And she had had one many many years ago, and she got a little bit of a hickey because I guess it sucked a little bit too hard, and the hickey was there for a couple of days, fifteen sixteen years before the show. Anyway, on the show, she brought up this hickey she got apparently, and I don't know for sure because this patient confidentiality, but 15 or 16 years before she had a face hickey that went away within a couple of days. But she brought this up on the show, which mortified me because it, like my husband will be remembered because at his clinic, probably not him because it's done by estheticians, for this face hickey because this obviously aired internationally, the show. So... After the show aired, she went on um, Real Self and gave my husband, or Doc MD, or Doctor's MD, and gave my husband a disparaging uh, write-up about oh. his this face that happened 15 or 16 years ago, which really hit somebody hard, like a really bad rating. But then she also talked about me on the Doctor MD site and Real Self. And said that I pretend that I own real estate and that I actually don't. And she started this thing about his wife. She pretends she owns real estate and she doesn't really own anything. And it was absolutely shocking that someone would do something that mean and vindictive outside of trying to get ratings on a reality show Mm. or attention. She actually did that of a vindictive nature. And, uh, so that's the one I don't talk to because I just don't trust her. Yeah. And she had been trying to 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 contact me, and she was, we'd actually gone out for lunch at one point. She asked me about a building. I bought a commercial building, and I said, you know, I don't talk about my real estate. It's just I'm a very private person, and I don't really want to be known for assets. I want to be known for my extremely wonderful personality. Yeah. And she didn't find that a good answer. <laughs> and she wanted to know what assets I had. And I thought, why would you want, why would you care? Like, I don't talk about that. Um, and then, so she must have gleaned that I didn't have anything, which I don't really care if people thought I didn't. Like, if any of your listeners don't think I have assets, they can hang up. But <laughs> I don't think people really care. No. So that was pretty awful. So I do not speak with her ever since she did that posting. That was the end of it. So I got to ask, HIV AIDS awareness is something that I myself am very passionate about. And we had a filmmaking team who came on the show with their documentary after 82, the untold story of the AIDS crisis in the UK. Now I've read that you are a huge supporter financially to the Elton John AIDS foundation. Uh, How did you get involved with that particular activism? I've written many books and I was asked to write a book on the history of raising um, funds for AIDS research. They called it AIDS research back then. I guess it's HIV now. And so I went back and said, no, you know what? I think they said that Elton John was going to headline at the 25th anniversary of raising money for AIDS research. And I said, well, you guys should write a book on the history of fashion care, as it was called. And they came back after a board meeting and said, and we'd like you to, to write the book. And I said, well, no, I didn't mean me write the book. I meant you guys write a book. Anyway, they got on my case to write the book. And so I took it on. And it that was, that was 476 pages. Wow. And I partway through, I was writing each year, they'd have a fundraiser and people, so go back 25 years. 
at the beginning when they had the first fundraiser, you weren't even allowed to say the word AIDS. And I didn't know this before I took on this project, that you could say people living with an illness, but you couldn't say they have AIDS. You were banned from it. There was so much discrimination against gay people and people that had AIDS that it was put me to tears. And then I would write the second chapter and you'd gather up photographs and you'd gather pictures from the event. And I got the catalogs from the event and stories and faxes of gowns that were in the fundraiser. And Pamela Anderson was involved and different types of people, uh, D squared, all those kind of people came on board raising money for AIDS research. Mm -hmm. And the second year, some of the people had died that were involved in raising money. And the third year, more people died. And it was almost like you were writing each chapter and not sure who was going to be in the obituary the next year. And as I started to write the book, I really got passionate about it and decided to donate proceeds of the book to AIDS research. So when it came to finishing the book and putting it out, 476 pages of tabletop limited edition books. There were a thousand books, about $250 a book. And I wouldn't allow any of the books to be given away. They had to be purchased. And so the money would go to the right place. So we had an event and Elton John was at the event and I got to meet him privately with his husband. And uh, when I was walking into the back room and I had a backless dress, I grabbed a Sharpie that we were using and I walked back and said to Elton John, will you sign my back? And he goes, well, this is the first. (laughs) (laughs) And I turned around and I have photographs of Elton John and David Furness signing my back. And I had tattooed on my back how to buy the books. I figured out that at the um, fundraiser, I could, if anybody asked me about the book, I could turn around and they could read my back. (laughs) And then when I walked out, D squared were there and they signed my back and people started signing my back and, then I wrote an article about it, and it went on Huffington Post about how I got Elton John to sign my back. Anyway, I became passionate about raising money for AIDS research. Uh, one part about that, I was on a bus with my kids, and we were going down to Niagara Falls to go to this place called Great Wolf Lodge, and I had the kids on a, on a bus. We had so many kids. We took a bus. And so I decided to work on the bus. And this guy was next to me, and I'm working away on my computer on the book. And he goes, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm just writing. It was annoyed. He was bugging me. He goes, what are you writing about? I said, I'm writing a book. He goes, what's a book about? I said, well, it's called Fashion Cares. He goes, what's it about? And I said, well, we're raising money for AIDS research. And the guy stood up. He'd been drinking. Stood up and started yelling while my kids were on the bus. He goes, you're helping people that F monkeys? And I was scared because first we're on a highway. We're on a bus. My kids are there. But I was scared this guy was going to punch me in the face. And I got a feeling, I got that moment of how much discrimination there is against people that support people that have AIDS, let alone that have AIDS. Mm -hmm. And about two years ago, for CANFAR, which is also raising money for AIDS research and people living with AIDS, I had a fundraiser at my home and the coordinator came to me and said, Anne, it's not a cool thing to raise money for AIDS research. And I said, then tell the people that don't think it's cool not to come because they wanted me to change the charity because they could get more people there and more of a charity just for Children's Hospital or something like that, which I do support and help. 
But this particular fundraiser was for AIDS research. And I was saddened. This was two years ago, just before COVID. So not even that long ago that I did that fundraiser. Mm-hmm. It was Halloween. <laughs> it was called Boobash. And, oh, and, I, and part of the component was raising money for children living with life-threatening illnesses too. Mm. But they wanted me to drop the support of people living with HIV. It, so I don't think that's been lost. And I will still continue to support wherever I can and however I can. But I do think that this discrimination and the people dictating where someone should support, it's a personal decision where you support when it comes to charity. And and I will fight for that. And if someone doesn't like where I support, then have I lost a lot of viewers for you on this call? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all, actually. You, you would actually be amazed. Honestly, you will actually, believe it or not, get more people who are interested in you because based on, I mean, we've been doing this now for, you know, 24 minutes, you're very approachable. I think things you have to say are incredibly interesting. You're extraordinarily passionate and we haven't even gotten to some of the other stuff we're going to talk about yet, but uh, no, seriously, I, 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 I gotta be honest with you. You're, you're, you're doing, you're doing a great job. All right. Well, I'll, I'll do everything I can to not lose <laughs> viewers for, or listeners for you. Oh, uh, you're fine. I have to ask though, uh, Dr. Kaplan, you are not short of incredible accolades. Now, twice winning Canadian Woman Entrepreneur of the Year, Canada's top 100 women in business, and one that I'm sure must make you smile when you hear it, Canada's top 100 most powerful women. I say these things. How does it make you feel? I'm really proud of it all. I'm very proud, but I'm personally proud of it. It is, and, and every one of the awards surprised me because, you know, they do they do narrow it down and you're up against some very good candidates, but I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud of that. And I'm proud for my own children that I can say, just um, take one step at a time, but go for your dreams. And, and anyone who wants to achieve something in, in business or any female, look into where you can find platforms, even writing articles or anywhere that can support the person that you want to become. And and part of that is participating in any of the awards or and if you're nominated for them is to participate in the process because it is a difficult process to provide all the information and go through audits and things like that. But I would encourage anyone to do it and take the hard work to do it. How many speaking engagements do you normally do a year? I do probably 40 and not during COVID. Right. And a little bit more when I write a book. I do about 22 a year. I lecture at medical conferences. And then when I write a book, I'll do speaking engagements on news, like morning talk shows. I'll travel around. I did around the U.S. and Canada. And then when my next book comes out, I'll be doing that again. And I also do motivational talks and I do speaking at bank engagements as well. So it's quite a diverse part. And next year, I am competing in a stand-up comedy competition for CEOs. Yeah. So that's going to be really fun. And I'm very nervous about that, but I jumped on it as soon as they asked. You mentioned writing earlier. Do you have any other hobbies? Do you collect art or anything like that? I do write. I cook. I'm really into cooking. Fashion, I'm into clothing and just wearing a little bit different types of clothes. And so that I would call that a hobby. I also have this thing about blinging up stuff. Like I did a large, large sculpture, so about seven feet tall, 
And one by one, I'd bling that whole sculpture up, gluing gems on it. Interesting. So probably have thousands of gems on there. And this, I'll call it, I renamed our cat Effing. It's Effing Cat. <laughs> we, my husband decided to get me a, a, I see it was for my son, but it's for me because I'm the one that looks after it. He got a Bengal cat. And I don't know if you know anything about Bengal cats, but they're vertical cats. Okay. And that effing cat would go to the top of my sculpture and sit there with its claws. Like it climbs up. Who climbs up a glass sculpture <laughs> for this cat and would sit there and pick off the gems from the sculpture? So just sit there. Like, you know, they've got that Cheshire grin on that cat mm-hmm. and just pick, yeah. pick, 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 pick. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's, um, I love to bling something. And then I have drawers that I can put all my gems in. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm waiting for the kids to get home at the time and I don't want to leave the living area so they see me when they come home, I could just work on my sculpture, then put the gems in the drawer and continue on what I was doing. So it's kind nice. of a hobby you can pick up for 15 minutes or three hours. So what does the future hold for Dr. Ann Kaplan. I hear there might be a cookbook in the works. Yeah, it's I've got a cookbook and I'm doing a little bit of a, a cooking show on YouTube, just inviting d- interesting people to come in and learn to cook and tear them apart and have fun <laughs> and support my book. And I'm just trying to live in the moment and enjoy every moment of my life because there isn't any reason not to. So I just cherish every single minute and whether that is just sitting having dinner with my husband talking to my kids on the phone or just having a glass of wine but pouring it in a proper wine glass and savoring that moment and not not being being aware how important our moments are and it's really quite fun to live like that it's just a mindset it's not a dollar amount as long as you're healthy mm-hmm. it's a mindset and i'm absolutely having fun with it So as we wind down the show, uh, can you please tell my listeners how best to follow your journey on social media? Well, the best way is through Ann Kaplan. That's A-N-N-K-A-P-L-A-N underscore own it is the best way to do that. And all of my handles have the same handle, uh, whether it be LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And own it is everything you say and everything you do, own it. So just be accountable for your actions. And that I think it's an easier way to live in this transparent world. So that's uh, how they can find the antics. It doesn't show my mother's side, but it definitely or it definitely shows personality. So I like to end my interviews with my absolute favorite question. The question is this. If the entire population of the planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would want to say to the people of Earth? Whatever you do today, I guess it's sustainability. Be make sure that you're doing for the generations of tomorrow. I like that. That's, that's actually very well done. I like that. Good answer. All right, Dr. Kaplan, thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. I This has been an absolute treat for me. Thank you very much. Now, do let me know if you lost viewers or listeners. Oh, absolutely. And, Don't uh, worry. I'll, I'll be blowing your social media up with uh, my viewer account like you wouldn't believe, okay? <laughs> we'll do a graph. <laughs> We're down. Before and after. We're down. You know? <laughs> And just like that, Duval Nation, we come to the end of another fantastic episode of The Derek Duval Show. I want to thank the amazing Dr. Ann Kaplan for taking the time out of her incredibly busy schedule to talk with us. If you haven't already, seek out her social media channels and just be in awe of someone who is truly living their best life. We will be back next week 
with another fantastic episode. Our next category is sports. And boy, do we have an incredible interview lined up. This is one of those blockbuster episodes, and I cannot wait for you to go wow when you see who we got. Remember, the lifeblood of the show rests in you, the listener. Word of mouth is the most powerful advertisement you can get. So please take the time to tell your friends about this amazing show. And that being said, on behalf of the entire team here at The Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, be safe, be well, and do some self-care this week. With all the negative news right now, with the war in Ukraine, just take five minutes to catch your breath, sit in silence, and do some long, deep breathing. You will be amazed just how great you feel afterwards. Nostar, God bless, and see you next week, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com for the latest news on downloads, and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.